Welcome to today's episode of Direct Mail Automation School, the podcast for marketers who are looking for an edge as they deploy direct mail and omni-channel marketing campaigns. I'm Dennis Kelly, CEO of Postalytics, the leading direct mail automation platform designed for marketers to deploy automated direct mail and omni-channel marketing campaigns with the speed, integration, and analytics of digital marketing. Today, our guest is Kevin Lee. Kevin is the visionary CEO at the eMarketing Association, an organization dedicated to empowering marketers across the advertising, marketing, media, and agency spectrum. He's committed to education and support, and the association facilitates connections and knowledge exchange within the realm of paid media advertising, influencers, promotions, sponsorships, et cetera, uh, own media, and CRM and retention marketing. Kevin has also founded We Care, a cause marketing platform, which generated over $8 million for nonprofits. It's becoming, it's becoming the inspiration for Amazon Smile, which is a $450 million in donation platform. Uh, Kevin has written four books, has spoken at more than 500 events, has published 700 plus articles on marketing. Uh, he's an MBA from Yale and is an investor in various ad tech, martech, and e-commerce companies. Uh, this is a busy guy, so super excited <laughs> to have Kevin Lee on board today. Well, thanks so much for having me, Dennis. And I think it's a combination of being busy and being old, right? So uh, when you combine those two things, you've had a chance to do a lot of adventures along the way. So, uh, you know, it's, it's been quite the journey. Um, I'm happy to share more deets on that. Awesome, awesome. Well, uh, it, it you you may be uh, uh, older, uh, uh, probably we're probably about the same age, uh, but uh, only a person with tremendous energy and passion and excitement for what they do could be doing all these things. So, uh, would absolutely love to hear about kind of how you got here. You know, tell us about that journey you were at Yale, and and somehow now you're. You're, you're involved in all this great stuff uh, across the marketing spectrum. Tell us your story and, and, and your evolution to where you got to today. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. I'll try to make what has been a very long journey into Reader's Digest since we uh, can't spend the entire podcast on my history. But, uh, you know, after Yale, I went to McCann Erickson, which was a major uh, ad agency, spent a couple of years there sort of learning the ropes. Um, then went to a small high-tech ad agency in New Jersey and uh, spun off an agency as a result of meeting a, co a partner there. Uh, that agency no longer exists, but did it was a spinoff of that agency in 1996 and was an, an originally an SEO technology tool before Google was even founded. So we, we were an SEO technology tool for things like AltaVista and Lycos and Excite and Infospace. And... Um, you know, that turned into a, a, a nice niche, profitable SaaS, you know, reporting and, and submission business. And then uh, when GoTo.com launched as the first pay-per-click platform for paid search media, uh, we built uh, one of the first, if not the first, bid alert systems for that. And that evolved in from a bid alert system into bid management. And so did it really double down on a SaaS platform called Maestro which managed, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars worth of search spend at one point. Um, and uh, it was a great business. Uh, it got less great when Marin Software was founded. Uh, Marin raised, raised $101 million in venture money uh, with the target to go public uh, by getting big. They did get big, uh, but they got big by pricing very low. Uh, they went public at a $420 million valuation, 
and have never had a profitable quarter, I don't believe, in their entire existence. So they burned through pretty much all their cash. And we saw the writing on the wall a while back, you know, for Maestro, our PPC bid management platform, that every time we went to a pitch meeting, people would say, can you match Marin's price? We really like your platform, but, you know, Marin's price is much cheaper. And once they went public, we could say, well, Marin can't even match Marin's price. Just look at their financials. But, you know, <laughs> we just decided to get out of that business. And, and uh, in the meantime, Google's internal bid management platform got pretty good. It, it wasn't very good in the early years. But eventually it became good enough to where we became platform agnostic. We'd use whatever bid management platform uh, a client wanted if they had a preference. If not, we would standardize around Google. Um, and, uh, you know, along the way, did it sort of pivoted into becoming more and more like an agency because to get EBITDA back into the mix, we uh, added services in search, both SEO and paid search. And then clients said, well, can you manage our social for us? And what about earned media social? Can you help us create content? And uh, can you do, you know, content marketing and, and help us with our blogs? And whenever we had the ability to grow into that service, we would, but we also made a bunch of acquisitions. We made 11 acquisitions of small uh, marketing services firms, uh, even some in the direct mail business. So we even, you know, ha have a direct mail division. We no longer do the printing, but we still do a fair amount of direct mail because it's so digital these days, as you well know, <laughs> it's become nearly 100% digital. So that's been the journey and sort of my day job, which is running Didit, a 56-person digital agency, but, uh, you know, a bit of a parallel entrepreneur. So Along the way, 21 years ago, I started a company called WeCare, Cause Marketing Powered Shopping. And 11 years ago, Amazon, our biggest partner, in, along with about 1,800 other merchants, came to us and said, uh, well, we don't know if people's behavior actually changes with this cause marketing platform that generates revenue for nonprofits. Can you prove it? And so we ran an A-B split test with their help. We demonstrated 14% uh, revenue per visit lift as a result of our Chrome plugin, which was called the WeCare Reminder. And when you shopped around at any participating store, uh, it would tell you, thank you for sh shopping at insert store name here to support insert cause name here. And um, the data showed the lift. And, and uh, three months later, they terminated our agreement. Uh, could be a coincidence. But then nine months later, they launched Smile. So um, we like to think that perhaps we inspired Smile. Smile raised $450 million for nonprofits. Uh, they dropped down the, the commission percentage to half a percent. And they uh, they announced in January of this year that they're going to sunset it. They shut it down at midnight um, on President's Day. So along the way, you know, I, I had acquired the eMarketing Association to sort of, you know, and that was sort of a by accident. It was a family tragedy and the former owners, and I loaned them a bunch of money. So they, they really sort of wanted me to have it. And uh, when, I, when I wasn't... Uh, able to, you know, run WeCare anymore, I got involved in um, starting a nonprofit giving forward in the cause marketing category to try to build other tech stacks that nonprofits couldn't build themselves because it didn't make financial sense for them each to have to build something uh, to do cause marketing in different ways. So that included cause marketing powered content, cause marketing powered events, and eventually a plan to get back into cause marketing powered e-commerce, but that wasn't supposed to happen Till next year uh, so it's you know we, we ended up launching that early so uh, you know I, I bought a brand uh three months ago truth nutrition just so that i could do experiments that clients thought were too crazy 
for me to do as an agency, you know, stuff we would suggest to clients and they would say, where's the case study? And they would say, you know, I'd say, well, you're the case study. study. So, you know, when that happens 20, 30, 50 times, eventually you decide you need a brand to be able to run some of these case studies and see, is this a great idea or a horrible idea on your dime, right? And then once you prove it out, then you can say, well, here's the case study. So that's what we're doing with Truth Nutrition. We've got some really cool stuff coming out down the pike there. So I don't sleep much, but I have great teams running these things. <laughs> <laughs> That's phenomenal. I love it. Uh, I'm, I'm a, uh, a longtime entrepreneur, and uh, I'm, I'm so uh, thrilled when I talk to other entrepreneurs. Uh, and, and, you know, I have an appreciation for the time and the energy and the, uh, and, and the commitment that it takes in order to do these things. And so, uh, you know, the fact that, you 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 got e-marketing association. You got did it. You got giving forward. You got truth. Uh, you know you you've got a lot of things on your plate. Um, you know you mentioned you've got some some great team members, but you know I'm I'm, I'm curious how how do you sort of take a step back and and think about allocating your time and your energy uh it, it, across you know these various platforms and. Uh, you know, it, it, are you finding yourself uh, working very reactively, or are are you able to really uh, take a step back and 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 think about you know a, a proactive allocation of your energy and time? Yeah, I will admit that sometimes I'm not perfectly able to predict for any given week what percentage of my time will, sure. will be spent on these things. Uh, still, the majority is spent in, in did it, but. From a strategic positioning perspective, actually, there's a commonality in the Venn diagram between the, all of these together. Obviously, Truth Nutrition sits to the side as sort of the other half of my marketing lab, right, to allow me to run experiments that I need a willing lab partner. So when you're your own lab partner, if the experiment fails, you won't fire yourself. So right. that, that's where that fits, right? But in regards to the others, the common theme really between those is marketers, right? And sometimes merchants. Um, because Giving Forward running a charity mall to replace Amazon Smile, which is multi-merchant and multi-nonprofit, the folks that the Giving Forward team talk to on the merchant side are some of the same folks that I'd like to talk to on the did it side, or potentially as a guest you know, speaker at any marketing association event. So the ability for me to potentially be chatting with somebody and wear literally all three hats at the same time, or like swap them off really fast, is is how it fits together strategically. So it seems crazy, and it is crazy, but it, there's a certain level of, you know, uh, efficiency gain that I get out of out of having an opportunity to have conversations with folks. You know, wearing whichever hat makes the most sense, but that doesn't mean that I throw the other hats in the garbage, right? They're still there because I'm sort of this you know, visionary and th- seeing how these things fit together. Sure, sure. So there's a lot of cross-pollination, it sounds like, uh, between these various ventures. And 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 so I think that makes a ton of sense. And, you know, really kind of acts as a portfolio uh, in, in that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah I but, actually have an incubator called VariousVentures.com as well. You mentioned <laughs> Various Ventures. I don't talk about that one since we haven't released any products yet. But, you know, as if I wasn't busy enough. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, absolutely. There, there is some cross pollination, and a perfect example 
is Affiliate Summit East, which was, was held a couple of weeks ago here in New York at the Marriott Marquis. You know, I convinced the, 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 the folks running the event that I should do a charity headshot booth, right, and have Giving Forward run it because we were getting ready to reestablish merchant relationships with a lot of these brands. And some brands, you know, are there themselves. Other brands' uh, affiliate relationships are managed by OPAs, which are affiliate-specific ad agencies. And so I figured, you know, because I needed a new headshot for myself, because mine was, you know, really old on LinkedIn to the point where if it was a dating site, I'd be in trouble. And so <laughs> I said, I need a new headshot. I'm sure I'm not the only one. So I hired a photographer. We put set the equipment up. We did it as a charity um, photo event. And we said, like, if you, if you like them afterwards, make a donation if you want. If you don't, you got a free headshot sponsored by Did It. Um, and it was a huge success, right? There's a line of people down, down you know, the, the aisle wanting to get headshots. I have no, I had no idea if it would work or not, but from a captive audience perspective, they're waiting in line. So what was I doing? Chatting with them, right? Finding out what they're there for or whatever. So it, you know, that's a perfect example of, of where, you know, I was able to be, you know, in an event environment that where sort of everybody was happy. The people getting the headshots were happy. You know, my team was happy, you know, maybe giving forward, we'll get some donations. We don't know yet. Give me a couple of weeks. But those are the kinds of things that like I have as epiphanies, like, oh, this is this is a perfect opportunity for me to, you know, uh, solve more than one problem at the same time. That's awesome. I love it. That's great. Uh, uh, tell us a bit more about Giving Forward. Uh, it sounds like it, it, it sort of arose from uh, your previous experience and uh, I guess maybe we'll call it the ashes of Amazon smile. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I, I'm sure, you know, kind of coming back at it a second time, you've probably got like a lot of obviously experiences that you can, you can build from, but you know, you probably have a lot of creative thoughts on where you want to take this thing. Yeah, that's that's a great point because along the way, you know, I had decided I was going to maybe experiment with cause marketing powered content before even launching um, uh, Giving Forward. I tried to buy Gawker out of the bankruptcy to turn into Gawker for good. So if you actually Google my name and Gawker, you'll see that entire journey chronicled in the press. Um, I wasn't able to get Gawker, you know, I ended up not getting it. And there's an entire story we could spend a podcast on as it relates to that journey. But the cause marketing powered content, you know, once I realized it didn't work, I decided, um, I, you know, it would potentially work in a nonprofit context. So I started giving forward with the idea to build a variety of platforms. So cause marketing powered content, we ran a cause marketing powered event. It was actually hugely successful. But I had forgotten how much work it is to put butts in seats, even if they're virtual seats. And, and so we ran this idea where we let the, the, the attendees to a free event actually pick which, non, which other nonprofit got the sponsors' f philanthropic dollars. And it was a huge success. I just forgot to bake in the 200 hours worth of volunteer time um, that, that was required <laughs> to do it. So we, we, you know, we were able to po uh, positively deploy that. You know, when, it, when Amazon announced that they were shutting down Smile in January uh, with the shutdown being President's Day this year, everybody who knew me from the We Care days, including folks in the affiliate community and folks in the marketing community, folks in the nonprofit community, was, said, oh, you know, here it is 10 years later, almost to the day, Amazon dropped the ball. Are you going to pick it up and run with it? 
I sort of felt compelled to, right? So I said, okay, well, we'll rebuild the charity mall. We'll make it multi-nonprofit and multi-merchant. But to my knowledge, Amazon had never really assigned a product manager to smile to evolve it beyond what it launched with. And I thought to myself, well, had I been in that role, what would I have built? Like, how would I have taken it to allow a passionate nonprofit supporter to generate even more money for a nonprofit than, than Smile would allow them to join, to generate. And so there's a bunch of stuff we have in the pipeline from a tech perspective. First thing we wanted to do is, is allow for a person being exposed to giving forward for the first time to generate revenue without even making a purchase, because most people are not in the mood to make a purchase at any specific slice of time. So we added co-registration, right? So we have sponsors who are willing to pay for people just registering and then co-registering into other email lists. So that immediately generates revenue for the, the selected nonprofit. And then obviously we have a permission relationship and we can continue to offer them, you know, deals. We're also adding a coupon mall to giving forward so that we can source coupons that are even better than the coupons you would get in a Honey or a Rocketin or a Capital One app, but you have to make a small donation to get the coupon as a thank you gift. And so that, again, will generate a donation flow that, that, that doesn't exist um, in Smile, so or didn't exist in Smile. So, you know, it, it's really this idea that, you know, one, once you sort of embrace the concept of cause marketing, you know, what else can you layer into the ecosystem? Because none of these things would be, only the top 200 nonprofits in the country could build the, build this for themselves, right? So what about you know everyone else and how do we democratize it and allow pretty much any nonprofit um, to use it or just let, allow any supporter of a nonprofit to say, oh, I actually Troop 19 of the Boy Scouts, that's that's you know my selected one. They're, as long as they have their own 501c3 EIN number, that's all we need because we can you know route the route the dollars their way. So that, that's really been sort of my, my vision there is, you know, can we, as a 501c3 ourselves, right, figure out how to do these things like replace Amazon Smile, which was doing a $100 million a year donation clip when they shut it down. And because it's a half a percent, if you do the math, that's $20 billion worth of Smile sales, right, that, that evaporated from a, from a cause marketing perspective. Now, how many of those people will say, oh, I can get to make this purchase at Walmart through giving forward and then choose not to use Amazon. I don't know. I mean, Prime is pretty sticky. So I don't know that a whole lot of people are going to change their behavior and say, well, I'm so upset at Amazon, I'm going to leave and go purchase elsewhere. But because we have CarReg and we have services and we have you know B2B services, B2C services, so many new things that Amazon didn't even sell, you know, we think we can do like five to 10x revenue per supporter more than Smile was doing because Smile was really de minimis for most nonprofits. It was nice. They certainly loved to get the money, but it, it, it really wasn't that material. I think we can be material. I think we can come up with a bunch of things where we create this triangular effect between brands and merchants and businesses, the consumer and the nonprofit to where everybody, and we become like the glue that holds it all together. So it's super exciting. You know, it's what, one of the things that gets me up every day. Is the you know the idea that of building these kinds of things? Absolutely, yeah. It's it's fascinating. This whole idea of kind of like crowdsourcing uh, in 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 taking the the various causes and 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 
uh, nonprofit interests that you know so many, uh, in particular, Americans have, and 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 allowing them to help while they are while they're making purchases, it just makes a ton of sense. And you know, I think that uh, while you know that Amazon property there is a, a big uh, uh, horse in the field, uh, there's so much more going on out there, right? And so. Uh, if, if you can become the default platform for the rest of the e-commerce world, uh, and, 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 you know, have, have nonprofit partners help promote this, right? Then, you know, I think it could be a, a huge, huge, uh, windfall for, for everybody involved. So congrats. It's, that's really a powerful story. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's like the layers keep getting added to it, right? So the affiliate summit photo booth, charity photo booth, you know, even though I don't have the KPIs from it yet, I'm feeling like it was such a positive experience for everybody that I, I registered the domain name goodpicks.org, right? And that will we're gonna systematize it so that anybody who's having an event can basically do a charity headshot layered into their event. Or we can use it to drive foot traffic into things like a mall, or even just a company could host a headshot event where like all their internal people get their fresh headshots in the AM, but in the PM, they make it open to the community and then local nonprofits can send their, you know, their supporters in uh, to get headshots in exchange for, for money for them. Right. 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 So it's really fun. You know, if you leave yourself open to inventing this stuff as you go, you know, certain things will rise to the tur- to the surface, you know, the cream rises to the top and, the, the worst ideas fail and you, you're like, okay, I learned something. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There's nothing wrong with that, right? It's, it's about experimenting and, and trying things and, and the great ones stick. So uh, marketers out there, uh, you heard it here. Uh, Kevin can help uh, create a, a professional headshot uh, uh, environment for your events and have, uh, uh, have that uh, benefit nonprofits. Uh, so, you know, it just makes everybody feel better about about getting that headshot, and uh, and and it'll it'll you know add a, a great element to your event, whatever it may be. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Kevin, uh, uh, on the did it side, you know, you you've you've done a tremendous amount, as you mentioned in in the history, right, from the very beginning of search engine marketing, right, uh, uh, around uh, around SEM and SEO and and digital marketing and now you're in paid social. Uh, how did you end up in the direct mail space, and and how do you see the channels play together in a in an omni-channel environment? You know, we ended up in direct mail. My uh, my uh, former business partner, who's since retired, um, had a serendipitous opportunity to acquire a direct mail company because a friend of his was retiring. And uh, because direct mail has gone digital, I was sort of willing to you know, let him experiment, and you know. The experiment had a good side and a bad side. The good side was we learned how powerful direct mail was. The bad side was we decided we didn't want to print it. <laughs> so, so we ended up, you know, eventually shutting down our printing facilities and, and outsourcing that. There's no shortage of uh, variable digital printing facilities that can actually execute on it. Um, where we added value was in understanding data, understanding lists, understanding different postal rates, you know, thinking about how to integrate QR codes the same way that your team does, right, to do tracking and create Glen Gary leads as a result of a direct mailing, right, that, that the internal sales teams that either B2B or high value B2C companies, you know, can take advantage of. You know, 
and and we're sort of media channel agnostic on paid media like whatever whatever in combination with each other lifts the both the highest the quickest is what we want to do so you know when we launched a green power company on long island called community power li we didn't know was facebook going to rock it was search going to kill it was uh the tv ads that we were buying going to be you know great the outdoor ads on the long island railroad platforms you know, we had no idea. It ended up being direct mail was the foundation, right? It was just apropos to the way in which people were willing to upgrade their electric service to a cleaner, cheaper alternative, right? The direct mail, in particular, in conjunction with all those other things, worked really, really well, right? So that was a huge learning experience for us because had we had to guess, you know, on launch day of when we first started deploying media dollars, would it be direct mail that would outperform in collaboration with the other media? We probably would depict that. In in the end, it was the one that was probably the most demonstrable, you know, from the perspective of once you had surrounded people with the brand, with a little bit of radio, a little bit of TV, a little bit of digital, right? When they got the direct mail piece, the brand was familiar to them. And they were, a lot of them, you know, just in, in, you know, non-scientific research, we would be like, oh yeah, we, you know, we heard about you. And then we got the direct mail piece. And that was like, that was the catalyst, right? That was what pushed them over the top. You know, had we done direct mail in a silo, it might not have worked quite as well, right? But it, it was really fascinating for us to understand where direct mail fits into a media mix model, right? Can it pull its own weight, you know, um, in the sort of journey of the consumer from, you know, because you can't just harvest demand, right? Search is great at harvesting demand. We manage you know, millions of dollars a month worth of search budgets. And if the person knows to look for something, search is great, right? Social for certain things that are, that are sort of low, you know, low, low, low complexity, um, you know, from a purchase perspective, you can sort of get the person to, you know, engage with a social ad and do something. I mean, certain things people are open to all the time, right? Dating and dieting and, you know, certain call to actions work great and social, you know, and, and but not everything, right? And so you really need to find that that perfect media mix model, you know, and understand which one does mid funnel, which one does upper funnel, which one does, you know, lower funnel demand harvesting. I mean, the, the funnel's basically gone anyway, but there's still a consumer journey that we need to be mindful of. And that's direct mail for many businesses can be a critical element of that. Well, I think that's that's a great omni-channel story, you know, that that uh, the Green Power Long Island story. And, you know, when you think about it, uh, the, the, the awareness and brand building that was done across, you know, radio and TV and digital ads uh, really set the stage for that direct mail piece to show up, uh, as you're saying. And, you know, you don't change electricity providers like that, right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know many people that do anyway. Like it's, you know, it's, you gotta, you gotta research that a little bit. You gotta, you gotta feel comfortable that your power is not going to go out. Right. I mean, it, it's, it's potentially a, a, a huge problem. And, and so, you, you know, <laughs> well, that's, that's one of the misnomers. They don't realize it's delivered over the identical grid. Your power can't go out. It's only how it's built. that's different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure. But, but, you, you know, educate people on that, it, right. It, Cause it, they, they, that would be a fear. It, it's, it's, and it's just not a decision you make every day. Right. So, so you, you hear about it from a few different places, uh, but 
you know, those places that that message it goes away like that, right? So you you, you get a bl- you get a blast of it. You're like, oh, interesting, and then it's gone, right? And you're on to the next thing, where you you know you get then after that some of that awareness has been built. You get that direct mail piece, and you're holding it in your hand. You're walking from the mailbox to your kitchen, and you're trying to figure out what to do with this thing. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen this before. You know, maybe I'll maybe I'll show this to my wife, right? Or you know, I'm, I'm going to put this aside and and come back to this. This is kind of interesting. It, it has that ability for you to take it back, share it, uh, you know, put it up on a on a refrigerator or a pin board, right? All those kind of things that enable the message to last a longer period of time and use as a reference point. So, oh, I go on the web, I can research this a little bit more, right? I can like look at the referrals and you know see if there's anybody in the neighborhood that's been uh, uh, converted to this type of thing, like. All those kind of things that require more coming back to something as a focal point for the decision. I, I think a, a printed piece delivered to the mail that you have to organize in your mind and in your physical world, you know, can deliver these types of messages that, that, that are a great complement to all of those digital channels. Absolutely. It also conveys a certain legitimacy, right? Somebody actually put put a digital stamp on it, right? And printed it because they thought it, they thought enough of it that they thought it would be valuable to you. Otherwise, it wouldn't have bothered. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, shifting gears a little bit, uh, you know, with, with all the different platforms that you're involved in, you're talking to marketing leaders all day long. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of question right now. Uh, what, what part of the economic cycle are we in? What is the impact going to be on marketing spend? Uh, and, and so leaders have to make decisions about, you know, where to place their bets. And, and so, uh, you know, there's investments in paid media and earned media and direct response and branding, lots of places for, for, uh, marketing leaders to spend their money. Um, you know, how do you see the best marketers thinking through this equation right now uh, in this time of let's call it economic uncertainty. Sure. Well, you know, in paid media, you know, we attempt, you know, through analytics to understand for our clients what the marginal impact of every channel and every type of media, every media dollar that we put into every channel delivers. Uh, because that's not only useful from a marketing austerity perspective and knowing where to cut if you have to cut. If the CFO says you got to cut and the CMO has no pushback and just sort of says, all right, I'll cut 10%, I'll cut 15%, whatever it is, you should know before that call comes in exactly where to cut, right? Or the agency should. We certainly do. Um, but equally, if all of a sudden an additional 15 20% of budget shows up, because they canceled a trade show, right? And now it's like November and they got to use the money before the end of the year. You should know exactly where to deploy that. You should know the marginal impact of that those dollars. And not just in a pure bottom funnel direct response basis, but mid funnel and maybe even upper funnel as well, because there are interaction effects. So the closer you can get to this understanding of what I like to call compound marketing, which is that things sort of have these interaction effects, the more effectively you can deal with both budget shrinkage and budget expansion. And that's what I recommend to marketers. Now, you know, philosophically, I think if 
others in their industry are contracting spending, I think it's actually a huge opportunity because media tends to get cheaper during these situations where there's pullbacks. And so you may be able to get your, your media dollars to go further in a period of marketing austerity in comparison to the go-go years. So I think, you know, if anything, CMOs should go to their CFOs and say, hey, you know, I, I think I should probably deploy an extra 15%. What do you think? <laughs> Spoken like a true marketer. Absolutely. <laughs> I agree. I completely agree. And, 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 you know, from a strategic standpoint, if the cash flow is there, then you're absolutely right. You know, when, when uh, Warren Buffett likes to say, uh, get greedy when the market is scared. Right. And, 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 and so if, if you're a long-term player, you know, that's the time to pounce when everybody else is running away. So, uh, uh, great stuff. Um, Absolutely. So uh, final question for me. Um, you know, you've got your hands in a lot of different uh, parts of the marketing ecosystem. And, you know, you've been involved in, in SEO in particular for a very long time, since even before Google was even founded. Uh, so, uh, you know, generative AI has exploded upon the scene. Uh, and, you know, when you think about it from a from an SEO standpoint, uh, it can certainly kind of uh, complicate uh, existing SEO efforts. Uh, if you think about trying to, you know, make sure that your content is being captured by, you know, ChatGPT uh, via Bing, right? I mean, it's out there now. Uh, barred from Google's a, a growing thing, and they're they're certainly not going to stop investing in that. Um, so, uh, you know, lots of new layers there to think about from a, from an SEO standpoint. Um, how do you recommend that marketers think about, uh, about generative AI in terms of its impact on SEO and then other marketing channels as well? Sure. Well, interestingly, you know, we made a little bit of a philosophical shift seven or eight years ago around SEO and started advising clients that they shouldn't think about SEO exclusively from their own domain ranking in Google for things, and rather think about how many things could they get to rank well for the keywords that solve a problem or that they, you know, product or service that they, that they, that they have. And, and that was from a, what we call the SERP domination strategy, which is, well, how many of these slots could I conceivably own if I syndicated content out there and I did traditional PR and I did digital PR and I did content co-creation socially, but made sure that the stuff got published all over the place that I could think of, in particular for midsize uh, brands, right? Often the place that you syndicate the content will outrank you for that particular piece of content living external to your site. So SERP domination is not about necessarily only getting yourself to rank. Sometimes you can't rank. You're not important enough in Google's eyes to rank. But by putting your stuff out there in many places, you increase your odds, right? They're at least one click away because if they get to one of those other pieces of content, they'll get to you eventually or at least make a positive brand impression. So we moved to that like philosophy for most clients about seven or eight years ago. Interestingly, now if you're thinking about future-proofing your SEO against LLMs or, or AI, right? If you think about how does an AI answer a question you know, what are the top 10 pizzerias in New York City, right? It's going to go out there and comb as much content as it can and try to come up with some kind of a logical conclusion 
from that mass of content. So that same strategy of content creation, co-creation, syndication, et cetera, is, is exactly what would tend to convince the LLM that you're a good pizzeria or that you have a good direct mail technology platform or whatever it is, right? So for the kinds of questions that LLMs typically get asked, like make me a list or what are the top or how do I solve this, right? Your odds improve dramatically if you engaged in sort of a digital PR and social media content creation strategy, stuff like what we're doing right now, right? Because this will get transcribed. This will be out there in at least one podcast place. It'll probably have blog posts associated with it. All of that contributes to feeding either ChatGPT or, or Bard or whatever platform is ingesting the content in it thinking, well, you know, actually, Dennis, his, his company's platform is really good at direct mail automation, right? How, how does it arrive at that result? It, it analyzes everything it can find, right? And so if you want to future-proof your SEO, right, stop so myopically focusing on your own domain and getting that to rank. Start thinking big. You know, start thinking about all the places that could positively speak about you, about your brand, solving the problems that you solve, that kind of thing. I love it. I love that idea of uh, content syndication and, and you know, using that breadth to, um, you know, get your brand out there, get it crawled by traditional search, but also by, uh, by the, by the LLM AI models and, and, you know, uh, try to make sure that despite, you know, the fact you may not be the biggest brand in the world, you've got a wide footprint with content sitting on lots of different platforms that are all being crawled all the time. So that, that makes a ton of sense. Yeah. And it's, and it's very similar in the way that you would think about, like, you know, if you've done SEO research, the whole concept of page rank is that, you know, every link to your site is a vote, but not all votes are equal. Some votes are much more valuable. The LLMs also look at that, right? So, you know, you being in, in a high authority site, having content syndicated there is better than you being on the kinder, kindergartner's blog page, right? But, you know, you'll take the kindergarten blog page anyway, because it you know, has no downside. So, you know, as you start to think about your content creation, content co-creation, content syndication strategies, you know, more is better, but also strategic placement is really important because we, we believe that the LLMs are, are grading, you know, content that they find from different locations with different levels of authority. And so you need to establish an overall, you know, momentum uh, across several high authority locations. Sure, sure. Makes perfect sense. Uh, and uh, uh, particularly for Google, right? Like you're not going to, you're not going to give up the franchise entirely uh, for some for some new model without a lot of cross pollination there. So, um, absolutely, yeah, makes perfect sense. Um, well, uh, uh, Kevin, this has been great. Uh, I, I really enjoyed chatting with you here today. Um, and you know, with with everything you're involved in, uh, do do you have time to talk with folks if they're interested? They want to connect with you, and and if so, you know, how, how do they get in touch? What what's the best way to reach you? I mean, LinkedIn is always an easy way to get in contact with me. You know, uh, all of my brands that you see behind me, Kevin at any one of those domains all reaches me. Um, but, you know, LinkedIn is a great way to reach out to me, uh, you know, remind you of, of all the crazy things I've got going on. Uh, if a person just wants to connect or send me an email, 
uh, happy to connect that way. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, so uh, everybody, uh, Kevin Lee, uh, great marketer, uh, tons of experience. Reach out on LinkedIn if you want to connect with him. Uh, Kevin, thanks so much for joining us here today. And uh, we really appreciate uh, everything you've brought to the marketing profession and uh, look forward to watching things evolve at all your various enterprises. Thanks, Dennis. It was, thanks so much for having me.